Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Well, good morning once again. It's good to see you guys again today. Uh, thank you once again for joining us this morning. And uh, please remember to hit the share button underneath. And uh, I think uh, Reverend Darrell told us yesterday to hit the uh, like button. And I don't know what all has. Just hit all the little buttons underneath there. That'll work. Uh, but before we get started, I want to thank everyone this morning for uh, such a tremendous response last week. Uh, I mean, we had over a thousand uh, views, and it just kind of blew us away. And, and we had also, also had a lot of comments, and uh, we read all the comments, and uh, we're so grateful that none of them was negative. And uh, I know it wasn't because of good preaching, but it was because you guys are just being too kind. But we appreciate that, and uh, we thank you for being with us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for each and every one that's out there this morning, Lord. And God, as the word comes forward, we ask that you give them understanding, revelation, knowledge by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Reveal to them the things that they need to hear today. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that can believe and receive. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. And we thank you and we praise you in advance for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning or your Bible apparatus, turn with me to Joshua, the third chapter, Joshua in the Old Testament, third chapter. We're going to begin reading with the first verse. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and he set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over into the promised land. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2000 cubits by measure. That's about four tenths of a mile. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders or amazing things among you. Now the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of Almighty God. And God said, Get up and go after it. In other words, follow after God because you're getting ready to go into some uncharted territories, a land that you've never been to before, a land from which you've never passed this way before. And he says, follow him. He will guide you. He knows where he's going. And when you're going somewhere that you haven't been before, like with this coronavirus thing, keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't let him out of your sight. Let him be your guide because he's the one that's going to get us through. And I know we've been getting a lot of guidance from the CDC and the government. And thank God for it. It's, it's all good advice. But let's not lose sight of the one that's actually going to get us through this thing. And I'd especially like us to focus this morning on verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow 
the Lord will do wonders and amazing things among you. So Joshua is telling the people to take this time between today and tomorrow, take this time that you're quarantined, that you're shut up in, and get yourself ready. Get yourself together because this is not going to last forever, and tomorrow your life is about to change. Get yourself ready because tomorrow you're going in to possess the wonderful promises of God. And you know, we may be sitting around right now because this coronavirus has us quarantined, but this is a good time for us to sanctify ourselves. This is a good time for us to evaluate our lives and draw closer to God. This is a good time uh, to get ready because this thing is not going to last forever. I think we're going to start seeing some improvements in it real soon, and it'll be over before we know it. But if you, if you don't sanctify yourself, if you don't get ready, if you don't change some things that need to be changed, then you won't be prepared for what's coming. This is a good time for us to take inventory of our lives. And there may be some excess baggage you've been carrying around that you don't want to take into the promised land with you. You don't want to take it into the new land, into the new life on the other side of this thing. And I believe that God is using this to teach us some things. We learned how to wash our hands. We learned that we can live without sports. We learned that we don't have to have a vente caramel macchiato from Starbucks every morning. He's teaching us how we could have family time again. And for those of you who always say you don't have enough time to do this or that, you have enough time now. I remember a song that came out in 1974 by Harry Chapin, and it's called The Cats in the Cradle. And it's all about a father that was never home because of work, never spending enough time with his son until it's too late and the son is all grown up and he grew up just like his dad. And now the son is too busy for his dad. And I know the course, you know, went something like the cat's in the cradle and a silver spoon. I'm not sure what the cat has to do with it, but I think the silver spoon means that the kid didn't have to worry about material things. The dad was a good provider. And then it goes on to say that when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. And, uh, well, you're home now, Dad. Take advantage of it. Get that cat out of the cradle and take some time and spend it with your son. Take some time and spend it with your daughter. Take some time and spend it with your family. I, I know for a fact that you know, material things are nice, and having an iPad and a PS4 and, and what all these other things and gadgets that they have nowadays, all that stuff is nice to have, but I'm telling you, they give it all just to have some time with you. Your time with your children is more important than anything that you could give them besides that. Amen. And I personally believe God is trying to show us that our lives don't have to be as busy as they used to be, that we don't need everything that we thought we needed, that we need to slow down, reevaluate, and reprioritize our time. Spend more time with God. Spend more time with our loved ones. God wants us to smell the roses along the way. Joshua says, sanctify yourselves. Get yourselves ready because tomorrow I'm going to bring you out of this current situation and bring you into a brand new future, someplace you haven't been before. Things are going to be different, but don't worry about it because I'm going to do wonders and amazing things in your presence. 
And that word wonder means something amazing, something beautiful, something unexpected, something unfamiliar or unexplainable. Sometimes that's the way God is. He just does things that are wondrous. It, he just does things that makes our heads shake, and, and we just wonder what just happened. And, and when you see one, you'll know it because the, uh, the reason they call it as a wonder, wonder is because you'll be wondering how it happened. Why did it happen? Why, why did God do it the way that he did? And our God is so full of wonders and uh, amazing things that I know things aren't looking good right now, but we need to keep the faith and let him work his wonders. Let him do some amazing things in our midst. And I believe he's getting ready to do something amazing, something beautiful, something unexpected, something unexplainable. And it'll be something that no one else can do. And it's going to be something that's done in such a way that no man could get the glory for it. That we would have to look at that thing and we would have to say that had to be God. No one else could have did it the way that it was done. And I know that these are hard times for us right now. I mean, everything that's going on, people are stressed because they're laid off of work. The children are home because schools are closed. Our favorite stores and restaurants are closed. March Madness was canceled. Our churches are closed, and we can't find no toilet paper. And worst of all, there's a cloud of uncertainty seems to be hovering over our heads. And we know things are changing, and change scares us. It's hard to comprehend how much has changed just in the past couple of months. The world is a different place. And most people aren't sure what the future holds anymore. And I can imagine what the children of Israel were feeling as they were sitting on the side of the Jordan River, waiting to cross over into this promised land, a place they've never been before. I'm sure they were concerned. I'm sure, like you, they were apprehensive. They weren't sure what tomorrow was going to bring. They didn't even know if they would have a tomorrow. They were unsure of what the future would hold for them. And then here comes Pastor Joshua, and he tells them to get ready because tomorrow, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the very word tomorrow speaks of a future. And, and, and Joshua is ensuring the people that, hey, you still have a future. Don't worry about it. Don't get distressed. Don't get uh, bent out of shape, he says. We're going to go over in the morning, and you'll see that you'll have a future. And I'm here to tell you this morning, instead of just sitting around, get, get yourselves ready. Because tomorrow, we're going to cross over to the other side of this thing. And I'm not sure how long it's going to uh, be before tomorrow comes, but I do know this. Tomorrow is coming. Amen. See, and, and when you're sitting around and you're out of work and there's restrictions where you, you can't go here and you can't go there and you can't do this and you can't do that and there's fear and uncertainty all around us, it's easy to get in despair. It's easy to lose hope. It's easy for you to lose your faith and get into fear. But I want to encourage you today, don't get into fear. Stay in faith. God has got this thing. We may not be able to tell it right now, but I'm telling you, we're going to see some amazing things come out of this. We're going to see some wondrous things come out of this. Yes, it'll be a different world, but it's going to be for the better. I know these are tough times. I know a lot of people right now are, are, are concerned about tomorrow because it is going to change. But God told us in Psalms 30 and 5, for his anger is but for a moment. But his favor is for life. And then he said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah.
And some, think, some people think God is angry with the world right now. And, and that's why all of this is going on. And I don't know if he's angry or not. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know, but even if he is, his anger lasts only for a moment, just for one short minute, and it's over. But his favor is for life. I know things look uncertain. I know people are apprehensive and frightened, discouraged, and in despair. I know people aren't sure what the future holds for them, but I know one thing that is certain. We have God's favor, and his favor is for life. And I don't know about you, but I need God's favor. When I get a bad doctor's report, I need God's favor. When I, get, when I make a bad decision, I need his favor. When my money runs out before the month runs out, I need his favor. When I apply for a new job, I need his favor. When I'm considered for a raise or a promotion, I need God's favor. And thank God his favor is for life. Hallelujah. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. You may be weeping now, and we can't be sure just how long this time of darkness is going to last. But I promise you this, morning will come, and with it will come joy. Joy unspeakable and full of God's glory. Hallelujah. God's children shouldn't be feeling like the rest of the world. I mean, we have a hope that the world doesn't have. We have a peace that can't be explained. It passes all understanding. Our joy and peace doesn't come from this world. It comes from the Lord. Several weeks ago, I preached a sermon on the joy of the Lord. And one of the things I emphasized strongly was that the joy of the, the Lord is not affected by outward circumstances. It's not affected by the things that happen to us externally. And this joy doesn't come from the world. This joy comes from within us. And, and the world's joy and peace is generated by external things. As long as good things are happening around me, as long as people are nice to me, and my wife makes me feel warm and fuzzy, I have joy. I'm happy. But that type of joy and peace is short-lived and, and it's temporary. See, you're not able to work right now. You're not able to gather with your friends and at your favorite hangout. You can't watch match, match, March Madness, Match Madness, yeah, or go to a concert or sporting event. You can't go to Macy's and buy a new purse, ladies, and, and you guys can't buy a new golf club. You can't go to your favorite restaurant and enjoy a meal with your, with your family. And these are all things that brought us joy. These are all things that brought us happiness. We were at peace with all these things until the world was turned upside down for us. But that's no reason to lose your joy or your peace. Stay in joy. Stay in peace. Trust in the Lord. The joy of the Lord doesn't come from what's going on around us. This joy is internal and it's eternal and it's not affected by external circumstances. It's not affected by what people are doing to you or around you. It's not affected by the things that are happening in the world. This joy is not even affected by this coronavirus. This is a joy that we can keep. This is a peace that we can keep. You can lose your job and still have this joy. If, the, if the, someone in the world that doesn't have God, doesn't have this joy, loses their job, it's like the end of the world for them. They don't know what they're going to do. But we could lose our job and still have this joy. Because that job is not our source. God is our source. And if we lose that job, God has another source for us, another resource for us. 
Uh, see, you can have the kids home from school and still maintain this joy. You can be faced with uncertainty and still have this joy. You can be quarantined and still have this joy. And when the in-laws become outlaws, you can still have this joy. Why? Because this joy is not affected by what's going on around you. This joy is not affected by external things. This joy is internal and it's eternal. Hallelujah. See, we can't allow our life or our feelings to be controlled by what's going on around us. We can't allow outward things to dictate to us how we're going to feel or what kind of mood we're going to be or how we're going to act towards other people or treat other people. I feel happy today because I found some toilet paper at Walmart. Or I feel sad today because I couldn't get any green beans. So what? If that's what your joy and peace is based on, you're in trouble, Mr. Mrs. You need the joy of the Lord. You need that internal joy, that internal peace. Well, if it wasn't for this stupid job, I'd have more joy and peace. If it wasn't for my wife or husband, I'd have more joy or peace. If it wasn't for these crazy kids, if I just had a better job, more money, a better car, lower rent, and, and the list of reasons just goes on and on and on, and, and, and along with all those things, you lose your joy and you lose your peace. We need to quit making excuses and start taking responsibility. We're all personally responsible for our joy and our peace. And for that matter, our attitudes. You're responsible for those things. You're responsible for controlling your mind and what goes into it and what it thinks about. You're, in, you're responsible for what comes out of your mouth. You're responsible for what you allow into your ears. You're responsible for the way you respond to different people in different circumstances. Stop making excuses. Find out why you don't have this internal joy, this internal peace, and get it fixed. I'm telling you, uh, you know, my wife and I have learned to dwell in this joy. Uh, there is plenty of things that would like to steal your joy. There's plenty of things that would like to take your peace away. And there's times at night when I get something on my mind, and, and it starts to get the best of me, and it steals my peace, and I can't sleep right. And I'm telling you, I'll get up and I'll pray it through. I'll pray until I get the victory. I'll pray until that thing lifts off of me and I get my joy back and my peace back. Then I lay my head back down and I sleep like a baby. Amen. You know, my wife is a great prayer warrior. And God wakes her up in the middle of the night on many different occasions and has her pray for people in the church, family members, people though she don't even know. God has her praying for people like that. I got woke up maybe two or three times in my life, but she, she gets woke up on a regular basis because God knows that he can wake her up. God knows that he can use her to intercede for somebody that's in need of prayer, somebody that's in danger, somebody that needs something. And she'll get up and she'll pray it through, and then she'll go back to sleep, and I'll be snoring like a baby. I sleep in perfect peace. Amen. But, you know, Jesus said in John 15, if we're connected to him through a personal relationship, and if we love him the way that he loves us, he said we will bear much fruit. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul lists nine fruits that are produced through a relationship with God. And the first three are love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. Those are the things that uh, the fruits that you develop and grow that come out of your life because of a relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus. 
The joy and peace comes from you having that relationship with God. Nothing else can give you that type of love and joy and peace. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I don't even have to work it up. It's already in there. When I got born again, God shed his love abroad in my heart. All I have to do is let it out and, and, and love people the way that God loves people, the way that God wants them loved. He's not here in the flesh. He's not here in the natural. He can't hug somebody. He can't shake nobody's hand. Of course, we, none of us can do it right now. But I'll tell you what, when you've got the love of God in your heart, and you can, you can hug somebody with the love of God. You can shake a hand. You can pat somebody on the shoulder with the love of God. And they'll feel that love coming through you. But I'll tell you what, it's got to be in there. Because in the natural, some people are just hard to love. But love is a choice. I choose to love people. I choose not to judge people. I choose to walk in love towards my brothers and my sisters. Because it's a choice. And when you choose to love somebody, you don't have to worry about what they did, what they said, what they're going to do, what you think they're going to do. None of that matters because you chose to love them through thick and thin. You chose to love them through good and bad. You chose to love them whether they treat you and make you feel warm and fuzzy or not. It's a choice. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. You know, uh, the love and joy and peace come from you having that personal relationship. And if these fruits aren't evidence in your life and you're always in a different mood and people don't know how to take you and if somebody sees you come and they duck until they find out what kind of mood you're in, that ain't the love of the Lord. That's not the joy or peace of the Lord. You need to maybe check your relationship with God. Get that love back. Get that joy back. Get that peace back. Hallelujah. But then Jesus tells us to not only have this kind of love, but he tells us to abide in his love and obey his commandments. Now, to abide in his love means that we have to live in his love. This ain't a part-time thing. Uh, to abide in his love means that we take up residence. We live in that love. That love is our house. That love is our home. He says, abide in my love and obey my commandments. And thank God there's only two commandments that we have to obey in the New Testament. As a New Testament believer, two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment Jesus gave us. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, unless there's something wrong, everybody loves yourself. If you don't believe me, just time yourself in the mirror next tomorrow and see how much time you spend in the mirror primping and stuff. You love yourself, all right. Well, take that love and love your neighbor with it. And that word neighbor comes from a Latin word, nay for near and bore for by. It means that you have to love everybody that's nearby you. If you're in the line at the grocery store and there's people in front of you and behind you, six foot apart, then that's your neighbor. You are required to love them. But I don't even know them. Don't make any difference. Love is a choice. You chose to love people like you love yourself. You choose to love your neighbor. You choose to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So these are two commandments that I don't know. I think I could keep those two commandments. Looking back at Israel, they had the Ten Commandments. But based on those Ten Commandments, there was another 613 laws that they had to obey and abide by. And 
I don't know about you. They couldn't make it. I don't think I could make it either. I, I mean, God was trying to show them that, hey, this is how you get to heaven. You have to be perfect. And they finally come to realize they ain't never going to be perfect. I ain't never going to be perfect. You ain't never going to be perfect. But I'll tell you what, we don't have to be. All we have to do is love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I can do that. I can love God like that. Hallelujah. I can love my neighbor most of the time. I'll be the first to admit loving your neighbor isn't easy. Some of them ain't lovable. And I ain't going to lie to you. There's times when I feel like pushing someone down a flight of stairs and tell God they trip. I'd like to punch them in the throat and tell God I was stretching. I don't know what happened. But, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm working on it. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I'm in this flesh. And this flesh can get unruly at times. I have a mind that wanders, but I have to grab hold of it and say, no, no, you're my mind. I'll tell you what to think on. I'll tell you how to think about people. I'll tell you whether or not you should judge somebody. And then I, I renew my mind on the word of God, and I know I have to love them. I know I can't judge them. I know I have to embrace them just like God embraced me. And I can do that with his help. Amen. Jesus said that he spoke all these things to us so that, so that his joy may remain in us and that our joy may be full. If we love God, we have a relationship with the Lord and we love God with all our heart, soul and mind and strength and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. God said that his joy will enter into us and it will remain there. This is a remaining joy. It's an abiding joy. It's not changed by what happened outside of you. It's not changed by outward circumstances. And he said that our joy may be full, full to the top. No room for anything else. And when you get full of God's joy, there's no room for despair. There's no room for discouragement. There's no room for worry and stress. There's no room for depression. No room for disappointment or hurt. There's no room for sadness or the dramas of life. Why? Because you're so full of joy, they can't get in. Hallelujah. And God wants us to have a joy that goes beyond external circumstances. A joy that is consistent no matter how you feel or what's going on around you. There's no such thing as a bad mood when you have the joy of the Lord inside of you. You don't lose your peace. And if you do, you get it right back because you know how valuable it is. The prophet Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is our strength. And people want to know why they're feeling depressed, why they're stressed out, why they're in despair, why they're disgruntled, why they can't seem to get the victory, why they want to throw the towel in. No joy, no strength. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, you don't have strength. And when the outward circumstances come to you, you're going to buckle under them. My wife and I have been talking a lot of, uh, to a lot of people lately, and we could feel the despair and the hopelessness and the discouragement in their voices. And it's like they no longer have a future. And some people think that this is the end of the world and that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. This is not just a cliche. I'm not just saying this. One person we talked to actually said this. They said, now this, this woman, I'm not going to give her name for obvious reasons, but 
This woman works a full-time job. She goes to school. She's trying to raise four kids and trying to make a better life for herself and for her family. And she asked us, since Jesus is coming back soon, then why should I keep going to school? Because it's costing me a lot of debt. It's causing me to, to stack up a lot of debt. And what's the use? I mean, can you hear the despair and the discouragement and the hopelessness in that? Uh, even depression in her words. She lost her joy and peace over what's going on in the world, what's going on around her. And first of all, and I'm not, I'm not slighting her. Uh, first of all, Jesus coming back is a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing for the Lord to come back. But I get it. It can scare a lot of people. But this is not the time to be overwhelmed by what's going on and give up. This is a time to get ready for tomorrow uh, because tomorrow is coming. There's, this is a time to prepare for tomorrow because tomorrow is coming. Uh, and this is not a time to cast your vision away. This is a time to renew your vision. Rewrite it and make it plain. Make the necessary adjustments to it in light of what's going on in the world right now. And then get ready to run with it when this mess is over. This is a time to fan the flames, not to let them go out. The Lord is coming back, but no man knows the day or hour. It may be today or it may be 30 years from now. I might not be able to finish this dynamic message before he comes back. So our advice to her was to keep living life. Keep pursuing your dreams. Because if Jesus came back, all your dreams and dreams that you haven't had yet are all going to be fulfilled anyway. God told us in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's not the end of the world. This is not the time to give up. This is a time to pray and seek God like never before. Seek him with all your heart. This is a time to get ready for tomorrow. We will cross over. We need to be optimistic. Stop being pessimistic. Somebody says, what's the difference? Well, an optimist says there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the pessimist says, it's a train, it's a train. Stop being a pessimist. What's my point? You know, stop looking for the worst in everything. This may be a bad situation, but if we'll just look closely, we will see God at work in it. He didn't cause it, but he will use it to his advantage. As a matter of fact, although most won't admit it, I'm preaching right now to a bunch of discouraged and disgruntled and depressed people right now in this audience. It may not even be the coronavirus that has you discouraged. It could be any number of things. It could be your job, uh, the relationship you're in, the, the challenges you're facing, the loss of a loved one, family problems, financial problems, health problems. Life in general may have you discouraged, depressed, and ready to give up. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we're all going to face times of discouragement in our life. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be afraid of. Great men and women of God have had to face with discouragement, deal with discouragement in their lives. Noah was discouraged. I mean, he's building a boat for 120 years on the promise that God's going to make it rain. He didn't even know what rain was. Don't tell me he didn't get discouraged of people mocking him and laughing at him. And then Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. 
old as they were, past childbearing age, and God promises them a child. They had to be discouraged. How are we going to have a child? You know how old I am and all of this. But Moses was discouraged. Uh, Joseph, Samson, Daniel, Gideon, Samuel, David, and the great prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah. Even the great apostle Paul had, had times where he had to deal with discouragement. I'm not afraid to admit that I've been discouraged at times. And yes, even depressed. But I'm not saying that we should stay that way. I just want you to know that it's nothing to be ashamed of. And it will pass. Tomorrow will come. Some of you are discouraged today. But I want you to know we're going to overcome this thing. And we're going to go into our future with a new vision and our heads held up high. Paul was on a ship in a great storm. And everyone thought they were going to sink and lose their lives. And God sent an angel to Paul and told him, be not afraid, Paul. There will be no loss of life. So Paul encouraged everyone on the ship. He said, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as, it, as he told me. I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. And some of the men wanted to jump into lifeboats and desert the ship. But Paul told them, unless you stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And I know what the world is saying right now, but I want to encourage you. Stay in the ship. Stay with God. Take heart. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. God says he has plans for you. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give us hope and a bright future. That's God's word to us. And, you know, I wish I could just do something that would help you to see things God's way. Not see what's going on around you. Not, I mean, you have to be aware. You have to follow the guidelines. You have to uh, obey what your government leaders are saying. And you have to take the necessary precautions. But we need to see this thing through God's eyes. God ain't up there sweating this thing. God ain't up there wringing his hands and wondering what's going to happen next and how's this going to work and how's that going to work like we are. We just need to rest in him, trust in him, get that joy back in our lives. This thing is going to be over before you know it. Are you going to be ready tomorrow? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to continue weeping? I mean, this night ain't going to last forever. And he said that weeping may endure, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is coming in the morning. And just like I said, if God is angry with us, it's already passed. It's but for a moment, just a short minute. But his favor is for life. I claim God's favor this morning for not only me and mine, but for you and yours. Hallelujah. Now, we'd like to pray for you this morning before we close. But before we do, I wanted to tell you that my wife, Brenda, the co-pastor of our church, also leads our prayer team. And they're standing by right now. They're going to pray with us. And the reason I asked them to pray with us this morning is because the Bible tells us that one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. And God says there's power in agreement, in the agreement of, of prayer. So uh, we have a prayer team that's in agreement right now, and they're in agreement that we're going to ask God for some things, and he's going to answer us. And so I never could understand the Lord's math. You know, one puts 1,000, two puts 10,000. I figured two would put 2,000. But God's math ain't the same as ours. God multiplies and adds. The devil divides and subtracts. 
But God's multiplication is different than us. I can only imagine how many demons are going to scatter today with the amount of people that we have praying. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your, your favor, your loving kindness, and the multitude of your tender mercies. We ask you to forgive our transgressions today. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquities and cleanse us from our sin. Lord, you told us to come boldly before your throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is a time of need for us, Lord. And we're confident that we can come boldly before your throne of grace, present you with these requests, and you'll not only hear us, but you'll grant the petitions that we desire of you because we will be praying your word according to your will. And so, Lord, we lift up before you everyone within the sound of my voice as well as everyone that they know and love that may not be listening to this message today. We pray for them all, Lord, and we pray that you would bless, prosper, protect them, that you smile on them and be gracious towards them, that you may show them your favor and give them your peace. And Lord, just like the Lauren Daigle song goes, I ask you to move the mountains that stand in their way, part the waters that they need to go through, answer them when they cry out to you. And above all, Lord, may they learn to trust in you. And Lord, we pray the 23rd Psalm over them. We declare that you are our shepherd. And because you are, we shall not lack in any area of our life. You cause us to rest because you lead us to places of great provision and peace. You bring restoration to our spirit, soul, and mind, and body. You teach us and enable us to do what is right in your sight so we can uphold your name. And even when we walk through the dark places at times, we never have to fear any evil because we know that you're always with us with your rod and your staff to protect us and to guide us. And you prepare a table before us with everything that we need on it, and you do it even in the presence of our enemies. You have anointed us with your power and ability, and we have exceeding abundantly more than we need. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And one day, one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And Lord, we pray for the discouraged this morning, the depressed, the downtrodden, the sick. And we pray that you would lift them up, strengthen them, encourage them. Be the lifter of their heads. Dispel the darkness that's hovering over their heads. And, and that you would heal them, spirit, soul, body, and emotions. And we pray, Lord, that you would give your angels charge over us and keep us safe. That you would lead us and protect us everywhere we go. That you would bless us, with, bless everything that we put our hand to and give us the desires of our heart according to your will. And we pray, Lord, that we will walk in divine health and bold faith, that no evil will befall us and no sickness or plague will come near our dwellings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If you'll bear with me just a couple more minutes. Before we close this morning, I'd like to pray one more prayer. And, you know, with well over a thousand views, it's obvious that we don't know everyone that's watching this morning. And perhaps there's one that has never received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps he is your Lord and Savior, but you haven't been living right, and you know it. God wants to restore you as well. So we want to pray with you and for you this morning. The Apostle Paul tells us how to receive salvation, and it's not a complicated thing. 
He says, if we confess or speak with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's the Son of God, and we believe it in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's it. It's simple as that. And some people think they're not good enough to come to God, or they, they have to clean up their life before they do. They're not worthy enough. Well, I have to stop drinking. I have to stop cussing and carousing and, and mistreating my spouse. And, uh, and I have to stop this and stop that and start doing this and start doing that. Let me tell you, my friend, you will never do that. God wants you to come to him exactly the way you are. You don't have to change one thing to come to God. I'm so glad I didn't have to change to come to him. I came to him just the way I was. I recognized that I needed a Savior. And so I come to him just as I was in my sin. And a matter of fact, that's the reason we need to come to him. Uh, we, we don't stay away because of sin. We come to him because of sin. See, you come to Jesus just the way you are. You don't change one thing. The Apostle Paul said, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. He didn't say there was any other qualification. He said, whoever comes to the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you this morning, then you're probably feeling something stirring on the inside, something stirring in your heart. Maybe it's a, just like a feeling in the pit of your stomach. I'm, I'm telling you, that is God pulling at your heart. That is God wooing you to come to him. He wants you to come into the kingdom of God this morning. So if that's you and I spoke to you this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me and just repeat after me. It's a real simple prayer. It's not going to take long. And at the end of this prayer, you'll realize you made the greatest decision that you ever made in your life or ever will make. And that is to accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So please pray this prayer with me. The prayer team is praying. Saints all over the Internet are praying. And God is listening. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for, for forgiving me. And thank you for saving me. Amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with us, welcome to the family of God. Tell someone you prayed that prayer. Put it in the comments section down there at the bottom so we can rejoice with you and we can pray for you. God loves you. We love you. Keep the faith. Stay encouraged. Thanks for joining us this morning. Keep your heads up high, and we'll see you next time. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.